Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? Um, I have a guest this week, and it's going to be a bit different. Um, I just wanted to preface and start off with this. I know that I started What Was Her Name and that it stemmed from my own um, history with uh, domestic violence and that the Lord had given me a dream, and it was... um, the words, what was her name when I woke up. And so I, um, started this podcast because of a dream that I had had. Um, and as I've been continuing on, um, advocating for, um, domestic violence survivors and now, um, sexual assault survivors, I, you know, it's been brought to my attention, I think more clearly. Um, I've always known that, um, you know, sexual assault or domestic violence affect both, um, males and females. Um, my focus has been primarily on females and generally that's just the community that, um, this has been, I mean, people have reached out to me and they're like 99% female, but it doesn't mean that there aren't, um, males who have experienced those things. And I think it's something that I'm still learning and growing in and in this process of advocating and speaking out, um, I'm not perfect, and I I don't know um, entirely how to incorporate um, this like subject. But I think that what I do know is that it's really important because, um, yeah, because it affects males um, as well. It doesn't um, disqualify males from being able to speak out about their stories because either way. Um, a story is a story and trauma is trauma and a person who experiences trauma. Um, I think, you know, I want them to have a space here where they can share it. And so I am opening up the floor for, um, others to share their stories. And so this week I have, um, my friend Brendan coming on the podcast and also have a couple more, um, guys who are going to be speaking about their experiences with sexual assault. Um, and so, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Um, I'm really like just thankful that Brendan, that you like agreed to come on here and speak about it and are sort of just like the stepping stone for others to speak out. And I think because of your story, um, it's going to be, it's going to be highlighting that this doesn't just happen to, um, women and hopefully helps others who are listening, who are not. Um, women. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, yeah, I said, my name is Brendan Campana. Uh, I'm currently 23 years old. Um, and yeah, this, this happened in, in February, 2018. Um, you know, my situation and my story, you know, takes place kind of just in a, in a single day, a single night. Um, I was at a friend's house. He was having some people over a close friend of mine. Um, and yeah, he was having a party. And, and, and when I got there, I thought it was more of just a kickback, kind of just a chill environment with just a few people over. When I got there, I quickly realized it was kind of a, a larger, a larger gathering. And to kind of preface, I had been dealing with just the loss of a friend of mine, you know, a few months ago. And so I really wasn't looking to be in an environment that was 
kind of like this. Uh, it was definitely looking to be in somewhere that was a lot more um, just quieter. And so to cope with that, I definitely, um, I, I started drinking and um, got to a point where I was pretty, uh, we'll say unconscious. Uh, my friends at this time, you know, they were, they were really good friends. They tried to just put me away into a room that was off the side, out of the way where I could just obviously sleep through it and, um, you know, kind of just dip past, let it pass. And, you know, I think that was definitely well-intentioned, but while I was in that, I was in and out of consciousness pretty much in that room. I definitely remember parts of it, but very, very, um, foggy. And, um, I do remember is that, uh, someone had, um, decided to, to come into that side room where I was and, um, then that's where I was, I was sexually assaulted in, in that, in there. And so really what happened was just that, you know, this, this person had, while I was in and out of it and, and really not in control of my own faculties in, in that way, um, decided to, to do what they had either planned to do or, or whatever their intentions were, but, um, without me being fully able to really just control myself in a way and to really do anything else without, um, even being able to really stop them in that sort of way. And so luckily, um, you know, I think just the partiness and, and, and the noise had allowed them to, to leave earlier than they had intended, um, which is a huge, huge blessing. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it was just a, a one-time thing in the side room of a party. And, you know, I don't think my brain was able to process like the, the, you know, what was in danger or kind of all of it until after the event. Um, I remember it happening and I remember them leaving and I remember just kind of, that moment just really not, not really sure, obviously with my the alcohol and, and the drinking mixed with all of that was going on. I'm sure that was a lot for my body to be able to process as well as my brain to be able to process all that going on. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that really is the, the sexual assault in, in, in its story and in its fullness, there is, um, yeah, it's definitely just, it, it's difficult to fully remember even what happened. And I think that's partially from the situation I was in with, drinking, but also partially probably just from my mind, trying to block me from remembering a lot of it, to be honest. Um, there's not a lot of good memories in that, but yeah. Um, I don't know. The sexual assault was definitely, it was by, it was by a girl. Um, and I kind of just, what I really remember is when I was coming in out of consciousness, the, the very clear moment of, of all of this was with my, she, she had taken my hand and put it somewhere um, on her that it definitely was not where my intentions would have wanted it to be and, and the easiest way of saying that for the sake of the audience. And so, um, you know, I, I woke up with, essentially I woke up with my hands in, in, in her pants, to be honest. And so, wow. um, that was just the difficulty of obviously when you wake up to that, you don't know what's going on, trying to get your bearings in the first place. And then, you know, trying to make a light of that situation or at least understand that situation, what's going on. It was, it was very difficult. And so I think honestly, just my shock of, of coming to and, and waking up, caused it to, to stop there. And, and as she left the room, um, but yeah. Was she someone who like, you knew, or was it pretty like just yeah. shocking for you to like be in a room with that, like level of intimacy with someone? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know her. I mean, I knew of her I and mean, it went to the same, you know, high school and this was in my freshman year of college at this time. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I knew of her definitely didn't know her like that. And I think the biggest, obviously what shock was, you know, you last thing I really remember vividly, it was like, obviously just hanging out with my, my guy friends and, um, just, you know, drinking and then waking up to that was completely just 
super confusing. Obviously that's not what I, my first memory to then didn't really make sense of, you know, that jump. And so I honestly was trying to figure out where I was partially figuring out, like, I don't remember that she wasn't there when I, you know, first started drinking. And so just kind of that whole confusion of like, what, who is this person, you know, like what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to really just come to with like, all right, what, what's going on here? Um, I don't fully know. And so um, I think with that, it took me kind of the effect of that, to be honest, it took me a long time to really, you know, a long time. I mean, it's especially like a week to even fully understand what happens um, and fully try to get the details in my mind and like, all right. And honestly, just, I think invent, like realize it happens. I think there's a lot of denial in that of like pretending it was, it wasn't what it was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's easier to like, I think our minds protect ourselves. So we like downplay the event, the series of events, because I mean, to admit it means that we're facing the trauma. And so, um, were you able to like speak to her or was it kind of like this incident happened and then it was just, you never had spoken to her again to be able to get a clearer, like understanding of what happened. Yeah. I, I haven't talked to her, um, but before that, or even after that, um, you know, we, we weren't in any capacity of of like conversation before that or anything like that. And so most of what I've, um, any, you know, I, there was a point where I was like, I kind of want more details to figure out like, you know, what, why that happened, like what was her mindset and that kind of stuff. And then I just realized like, in order to do that, honestly, at that time was like, I would have to ask my friends and, you know, the big part of it was like, I didn't really want to tell them, you know, I didn't want to have them clued into what would happen. I didn't want to have to explain myself to them of like what I was going through and that kind of stuff. And so in that, it kind of led me to not ask more questions. It kind of led me to just to leave it like that. Um, yeah. and honestly not deal with it at all. Just, I think that was the easiest way of pretending it didn't happen was by not asking questions and trying to figure out more, um, from the situation. Um, what role do you feel like your gender played in the assault? Because did that hesitation come from, I just don't want my friends to know. Cause there's like shame tied to this just in general, or was it like, did like you being a guy play any part in this and how, if so? Um, yeah, I would, I would have to say, yeah, definitely it did because I think there's even this, you know, where my friends put me, um, you know, when there's a party going around and a ton of people like over the house, it's like, I don't think that would have been, people would normally bat an eye at, you know, putting a guy in a room by himself. Um, especially with, you know, your friend's house, there's a lot of trust in that. And, you know, like, I think it, it probably felt safer. I mean, it felt, obviously it felt safe for me at the time. Um, and it felt safe for all of my friends because they really had the best intentions in mind of just getting me out of the way, you know, to protect myself. And so, um, I think that definitely played a role in it. Just kind of the idea that like people aren't, weren't really looking for that to happen or on edge about it, or even thinking that was even a possibility. Um, mm-hmm. I know I wasn't, you know, I, I had never, that had never crossed my mind of being a possibility for, for me at the time. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely think it is something that uh, I look back now and realize like, yeah, that, I mean, that definitely had an influence because I was the guy and felt, you know, like, Oh, like nothing's going to happen because, you know, I'm a guy, I can take care of myself. I can protect myself. And I think a big part of it too, is my friends, you know, you don't, as a guy, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's both for, for guys and girls, but it's, it's super difficult to want to tell people about it because you don't expect them to understand. And, you know, I didn't expect, I didn't expect the guys to be able to understand it, especially at that age. Um, you know, they, 
in, in where they were, it's like, that's really hard for someone to be able to, to sympathize and empathize with. Um, especially when you don't ever hear about it happening to a guy, you know, it's not like a, a thing that you even realize is a possibility. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to have like these conversations because while Mm -hmm. like this podcast, I mean, it can, it will only reach as many people as it's going to reach. Like the people who don't do come across it, I think it's not an easy everyday conversation to have with your friend, like about a sexual assault. And Mm -hmm. I think it comes up more maybe in like Christian communities, because like we are more like we talk very like intimately about our testimonies and things that we have gone through and how God has used that and delivered us or whatever. But I think, um, just in general, talking about trauma, isn't something that people do. And especially when it's topics like what we're talking about today and you don't hear very many stories, people aren't, guys aren't necessarily talking about, you know, the time that they were sexually assaulted at a party, because I think it takes someone brave to be able to say, this is what happened to me. And this is my story. And so that's why I think it's honestly just really, um, special and important that you like just said, yes, because, um, there very well could be someone listening who thought that they were alone or that, that their situation was unique to themselves. And it's only through hearing other people's stories that we realize that we're not alone and that this is not Mm -hmm. just unique to ourselves. And, um, that's the point of this, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest lie that we can tend to believe or that the enemy really is trying to get us to believe is that we're alone in something. And the more that isolated we are, the further from the truth that we become mm-hmm. in a way, because the truth is, is that like God has never left us or forsaken us. Um, and when we believe the lie that we are alone and there are situations that will feel like that, of course, the, the assault that I went through did cause me to feel more alone than I had before. And that, that just makes sense. That's logical, right? Like that is an event that no one of my friends have gone through that at least I know of. And of course that could not be true as well, you know? And so, um, as we believe that lie, we tend to try to isolate and, and run away. And, you know, that's what I did after my uh, assault, um, for, for weeks, um, I isolated myself and I hid from conversations and I hid from my family and felt like I couldn't talk to them anymore. Cause there was just a part of me that they wouldn't understand. I couldn't talk to my friends anymore. Part of it. Cause I was bitter in a way uh, of it happening and them not knowing or realizing it fully. And yet also bitter. Cause I couldn't talk to them the same way. I felt like that I couldn't explain to them what happened and trust that they were either going to be able to, to handle it or honestly, just that they would understand what I was even saying. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until really I did find the Lord in this that I, I found someone who could understand it and, and walk with me through it. You know, the Holy Spirit's called the great counselor. And, and that's for a reason is because we often are so looking for someone to understand and to relate to us and to know us. And, you know, as, and I really did struggle with it the, at the time. I wasn't really, I would have said, I believe in God, but I definitely wasn't a follower of, 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 of Jesus or anything like that. And, you know, people talk about like, oh, just read the Bible or like God is with you. And they say those verses all the time. And, you know, it's so tempting to just not believe them and just tempting to just write them off based on what we knew growing up about church or our old 
um, ideas of what church and, and God is, or even believe on bad experiences of having with other Christians, because I think sometimes we put God to be, you know, we, we see God as, as his people, but that's not the case. God is so far above what people can often make him. Um, and like his word is who he is. And so, and that was a time where like in that hardship and in the, in the, in the, honestly, the darkness that I was walking through after the assault is like when I decided to give God a chance because he spoke through it to me for some reason. I don't still understand to this day why he spoke through in the way he did, but it also does make sense because God, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, the world includes everyone, includes me, includes you, includes whoever may be listening into this. And that simply means like God does love you. He does not leave you or forsake you. And that's not just a, a words on a page. That's his actual truth. And so I think for the first time, eyes were open to realize that. And I also think that light shines brightest when it's completely dark. And a lot of times when we come to the end of ourselves in different ways and in different situations and different walks of life, we come to different parts of ourselves to an end. And so that is often a lot of times when we do meet God and do see him because we realize that we have nothing to give. I have nothing to, no one's going to be able to understand me. You know, like there is literally no one who's going to be able to fully understand what I've been through except for the one who understands me more than I even understand myself. And that is God, Yeah, you know? Wow. And so I just think really like this, that, that time uh, of meeting him and realizing that, you know, it called, it caused me to move away from where I was. I I grew up in Michigan. That's where this happened. And I was trying to figure out schooling and like where I was going to go to college. And it actually caused me to run away and partly a fear and like wanting to restart and wanting to, you know, start a new place with a fresh start where no one's going to know me. No one's going to know what I've been through and what happens all the way down in, in a school in Alabama. And so, um, but at the same time, like in that was a, a test and like, basically like God, if you're real, like you will like prove yourself. And I'm not saying testing God's always the best idea, but I really do believe he's faithful to come through and we'll give him a fair chance of like, all right, everyone says that you're, you know, you are a God who cares. You're a God who loves You're a counselor. It's like, all that may be true, but if you never give him the chance to prove it and to show you and for you to believe it, it's like, he will not force himself upon you because love does not force itself. It does not have its own way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it's also like, I think when it, like, I know that there are people listening who may not, um, believe in God or who are not Christian. Um, and so I think, just being in this space of hearing like Brendan's story and how through like something really, really hard and really like messy. Um, like he was able to, like you were Brendan, you were able to, um, find God. And I think, um, when it comes to God, like he's not absent. And I think sometimes Mm. like, when I heard your story, I was really, um, surprised because I don't want to like, take, like, this is your story and you're like, you're sharing it. But I think when we are saying, when we share stories, it makes us feel not so alone or not so unique. Like I held my, um, college sexual assault, like very private for like years to the point of like, not even admitting that it had happened because I, my brain was like, it didn't happen. And I was so busy Mm -hmm. trying to protect my like virginity by telling people that it didn't happen because I was a Christian. And so I was like, didn't even realize that I had been raped. And so, um, also in college. And so your story, um, to some extent, like 
in different ways resonates with mine. And I think how God has like brought you through that and how God is like not an absent father, but he also doesn't force us to follow him. And I think uses situations, like if we allow it. And I think like this situation draws people to the end of themselves. Like I know it did for me and it did for you. And I think in that place of like being at the end of ourselves, whether it's depression, um, or, you know, depression and suicide or, um, anxiety, that's just debilitating. Sometimes it's like, I just need relief. Like if there's an option and God, you are real, um, show yourself to me. He is not an absent father and like, he's not going to force himself on us. But like, I think he's in a sense, like right there waiting for us to say like, okay, I can't do this on my own and I need relief. And he's so willing and caring and capable and like able to find, he's like a solution finder. Like that's who he is. He knows and sees everything he's all knowing. And so I think, um, it's just like really beautiful to hear testimonies like yours and um, to see that you were drawn to the end of yourself, which sucks. Like I wouldn't want you to go through that, but um, how God used it and how you were able to really just come to know God in a way that you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have experienced like what you did, you know, mm. that was a long tangent, but <laughs> that's just my heart. Like, that's Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And I think so many times, at least for me, I, I would almost try to justify it too. It's like, oh, like I'm glad like I'm glad that happened because I and then you find the Lord and it's like, no, like, but it's it's still a terrible thing that happened. Like by no means is it all of a sudden made right and made good because all of a sudden I have I've God now who has revealed himself through it. But like, yeah, I praise God that I did find him through it. But in the, the day, it doesn't mean the situation was, was right. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden I found God and everything was fixed. What it means is that when you're at the end of yourself, there's only two options. Either you can rely on yourself to save yourself, or you have to rely on something else to save you. Mm -hmm. And in the day it's like, yeah, you can try and dig yourself out of a hole or try and throw yourself a life vest while you're, you know, while you might be metaphorically drowning in a way, but Mm -hmm like, how does one do that? You know, I think the biggest thing is realizing that there is a God, a father in heaven who has sent his son simply just to die. That way may they have a relationship with him. Like God wants to know us and to love us. And that means that when we come to the end of ourselves, is because oftentimes we realize that we cannot save ourselves, mm-hmm. that we, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. If we're drowning, how does, how, how do you do that? You know, how do you throw yourself a life vest if you're in the water? Right. And so I think realizing that oftentimes allow, allows our hearts and our eyes to open up and realize like simply put like God just wants to know you and to love you. Mm-hmm. And that's why he created you and me. And who I want to say listening is because he wants a relationship. He doesn't want to just know you for a week and, and move on. Like he, he will not stop chasing. He will not stop pursuing because that's what God is, is, is he is love. He's not just a loving God. He is love. And so realizing that I think that for me was the biggest realization was that like, I couldn't save myself. And if I put it any more on myself to try and get, you know, get through the situation and fix it and all that kind of stuff is that it was just going to keep putting me further and further, you know, shovels are only meant to dig. Right. And so, and I had to put it down and in in a way and just trust that like God was going to bring me through it. And, you know, I can stand here confidently and say like he has, and of course there's times and I'm starting to still see some things that that come up that I know are a result and kind of a consequence of, of that, what have happened basically like, you know, thought patterns that are not 
healthier from the Lord and, and just way of having to bring it to him. And like, Lord, thank you for showing me this. And I know you're still healing and there's still work to be done, but it's, it's much less like, Oh, I've got to strive and get this work done. I've got to fix myself. And more so like, all right, Lord, like here you are, here's something else that you've revealed that needs to be healed. And I trust you that you will heal it. Cause you yeah. know, if he's capable. So good. I think it kind of like leads into, I think you already answered a little bit of, of it just now, but like it leads into this question of like, how did it manifest in your daily life? Um, how did, I know you said a bit of it, mm-hmm. but like, I'm curious, like, how did it manifest in like your romantic relationships? Like these kinds of things, how did it play a part? Mm. Oh, it's different. Yeah. Me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think for me, like it really just ruins trust in a lot of ways. Um, like, I don't think I naturally was already a pretty trusting person and to, to put that broadly, but I think even after that, especially with, um, in, in terms of romantic relationships, like I just would not, like, I, I just, it was not ever a thought for me to even enter into that. I didn't want to talk to a lot of times, especially my, my first year at college, like I just didn't want to talk to girls. I realized eventually that like, I had a bitterness towards honestly the entire, like, it sounds so broad, but like, pretty much all just all females like I had so much anger that I hadn't dealt with and so much just blindness I was walking in because I wouldn't realize what had happened and deal with it that like I didn't enter I didn't enter into any romantic relationship I didn't do anything like that and try talking to him because I just didn't want to deal with it because I had known what had happened to me I'd seen the hurt that had come from it and in my mind is like as long as I didn't deal with it it was always going to be that outcome and it was always going to be that. And just the lack of trust really just took root. Um, that was very prevalent, especially in my first year. Um, having, you know, the first year after it happened as I moved away and started a basically a new life in a new city. And, um, you know, I think it's been, you know, a few years now, um, since that had happened, it's about four years, four and a half years later. And, um, I think there's still parts of it that have come up because it's been such a long process of trying to deal with it. And, um, you know, I'm still seeing the Lord work through that and, and heal that, but definitely with trust, it's been the biggest thing of, I'm seeing the effects of, of just not wanting to trust people because I, I'm not filling the gaps with trust. I'm filling it with suspicion, um, mm-hmm. so to say. And, you know, it's still a work in progress, of course. And, you know, I learned the Lord will, will deliver me fully from that as I continue to grow and I continue to give it to him. And, um, I believe he will use people to do that in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, I definitely, it shattered my trust. And for a long time, that caused me just to, to run away in fear and to be easier in seclusion and isolation than it was taking a chance of being hurt again. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like trust is a big thing that gets broken. Um, when dealing with trauma and it's like, I think it's a, it's not like a linear process, And so it can be really hard because you can work Mm -hmm. through something and then think you're good. And then something else comes up and you're like, crap, like, yeah, (laughs) still there. And like, what, you know, how do I like, how do I fix this? But I think it sometimes just takes time. And I think for me, I found like even, and I know some people like, it seems to be that they go like in either direction. Like I know we've had some women who've come and share their stories and they went into like the more promiscu- promiscuity um, like zone. And then there's others who are like, I want nothing to do with opposite sex ever. Like mm-hmm. just, alone. and so I think it's always really interesting, like how people deal with it. Um, because even though it's like a one-time experience, like that trauma 
it's in your, it lives in your body. And so you have to process it and work through it and, um, not run from it and face it head on. And it manifests in a lot of different ways. Um, which is crazy because it's just a one-time experience, but it continues to carry through. And it's a process to have to work Mm -hmm. through and deal with whether you're like single or you're in a relationship. And then you're having to deal with some things that will come up that may be rooted in, you know, what happened in the past. Um, Yeah. And I think the the other thing too, honestly, that I had to realize was like, I was honestly almost fearful uh, of the opposite gender at that point. Um, Like, there were ways that I interacted, like it was a complete, like, don't talk to me, just leave me alone. Like nobody talked to me except for obviously for my friend, like my, my guy friends. And so it was, it really was a fear. And, you know, I think that that came from obviously as I think there's just a big expectation, yeah. um, a big expectation of guys to be strong and to be tough and to be all these things, which I think, you know, are still true, even if something like this happens, but the biggest lie is that like, Oh, you couldn't even protect yourself. Like, you aren't a man. You can't talk about this kind of stuff. You, you're not even, you know, the identity starts to get shaped, especially if our identity is put in all of these kind of just common expressions and common phrases that we hear um, about what it, what it makes a guy or what makes a man. And I think that's the problem is that we've taken it so far away from like what it's supposed to be and so far into the hands of ourselves that we, of course, when something like this happens, like, of course, it's thrown for kind of an identity crisis. Of course, I was thrown for, for trouble and for fearing and for doing, having all these things that are not what we're called to. We're not called to fear. We're not called to anxiety and, and stress and all these hardships. What we're called to is a life of, of peace and, and joy. And that only comes from the Lord. And he has willingly given that to us if we open our hands. But the truth was, is that I was so concerned of lacking in trust with him that I wanted to hold on to it myself and keep it in my hands. And with that, of course, there's going to be fear when we remove the foundation that's supposed to be there. And all of a sudden we're on shaky ground. Like there, there is no other expectation that we should have, except for that. It might fall, you know, the house, a house built on shaky ground can't really stand for too long. And so that's how I was with a lot of just my interactions and just basing it, you know, I would, I would walk in fear rather than peace. And I would, I would choose to just kind of isolate myself because it was easier. It was more comfortable. Like even if it was harder and I was dealing with pain, like it was familiar. And Mm. I realized that like being, in pain by having it be familiar was much easier in a lot of ways than having to be uncomfortable and deal with what I was going through. Um, and it, it took, honestly, just, it took time, but it also took a realization and opening eyes of like, actually sometimes the uncomfortableness and the unknown is, is a better place to be. Cause it, while it may hurt to heal, like it's meant to heal and it's meant to get better. And yeah. that's kind of the process I'm walking through and it still does hurt and things are still very difficult and it, can be frustrating, but realizing it's like, there's no expectation of, of time. There's no expectation of like how you should walk through this and how you're supposed to do this. Like, of course, from my perspective, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm walking through this with the Lord and I have someone to walk through with, and he's graciously done that. But at the same time, it's like, he is, I think I put expectations on myself even now of like, Oh, I, I should be over this by now. Or like, I should have handled this or I should have given this over, had total forgiveness by now. And I don't think that's always healthy. I think we just need to trust that like in time, like the Lord will heal things and things will get better. And also like, yeah, we are called to forgive and we're called to, um, to, to give it to, to the Lord essentially. But, um, yeah, I just think so often I, I can be my hardest critic, you know? And I think that is also just, it comes from not being on even trust just whoever, even it comes to myself in a lot of ways from what happened. I think that even, 
I couldn't, I didn't feel like I couldn't trust myself because I was the one who, even the lie that is like that I walked myself into that situation, you know, like there's a part of me to blame for that because I, I did drink and, and that kind of stuff, which is like a lie. Like that doesn't justify what happened either. And so, as you can see, just from the conversation and the words that like, even I just said in the last minute, like there's so many lies that the enemy tries to throw and that like, I have, I have part to blame or like, I shouldn't have done that. It's my fault or all this kind of stuff. It's just like, it's just not true. Like, yeah, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. Of course not. But like the more that we let the lies believe that it's our fault, the more we believe that isolation is where we belong. And that's just not at all that the truth of the matter. Yeah. And I think it's really just like, I mean, in Christian culture, we talk about taking things captive. And what that means Mm -hmm. is like, if you have a thought that is not true, Um, so if it's something that is, you know, condemning and it's attacking and it's making you feel insecure and making you feel like crap, it's probably not, it's definitely not from God. Like God doesn't come like that. Like he's patient and kind and he reveals things gently. I think sometimes he can be while, while God can be, I think there's been instances where the Lord has made it very clear. I'm in the wrong about something. I think that like taking things captive is more in the sense of like, you know, that there's things in your head that are telling you, you know, making you feel really bad about yourself or, um, things like this. And I think taking it captive, um, just to explain is, is like taking that thought, replacing it, like putting it in a, I've heard my pastor says, put it in a cage and lock lock it and like, don't let it out. And like replace that with like truth. And like, you literally Mm -hmm. take that thought, like when you're mentally, you think about it, put it somewhere else, like throw it away and then replace it with the truth. So it's like, you know, if you wouldn't have drank, then this wouldn't have happened. And it's like, no, I take that thought. I throw it away. And I say, it doesn't matter whether I was sober or I was drunk. Um, sexual assault is sexual assault. And this should not have happened to me. And, you know, God is going to like use this situation and just continue to speak truth over yourself about, you know, what is true, because the more that you do that, I think the more that, um, we begin to believe that. And, um, if we're just not taking those things captive and we're not, um, you know, being aware of our thought life and we just continue to let thoughts bombard us, um, it, it, that manifests in our daily life, the decisions we make, mm-hmm. the love that we think that we deserve, the things that we put up with in romantic relationships or the, the job that we choose, or, you know, the dreams that we chase or the things that we don't chase. And so I think, Um, yeah, I'm like running in a different area with this, but just like taking things, um, captive, I think is so good. And I think it's just like being gentle with yourself and in those moments saying like, like, I think I'm very similar, like where I'll just like beat myself up about things. And I'm like, gosh, like, why can't you just get it together, Maya? Like, come on. And sometimes I have to like, like literally tell myself I'm not in public. So it's not like weird or something, but I'm like, (laughs) all right. Like you're okay. Like it makes sense that you're frustrated right now because you've been through a lot. And like, that was really hard what you went through Maya. <laughs> and I might tell myself mm-hmm. that and yeah. I'm not, not like in the grocery store and someone's like, you're <laughs> um, and so <laughs> I think like just practicing that, like practicing being kind to yourself. Um, because like, it's hard, like what you went through, like you shouldn't have been through and it sucks that that happened. The one thing I would say too, is that there's a, uh, just a quote from, from a book that's probably been sticking with me a lot. And I think it really does kind of resemble a lot of the difficulties I walked through with this whole incident of like, in terms of, of healing and, and, and fighting against it. And it's a book called the Screwtape Letters. And 
for those who don't know it, it's simply, it's from the perspective of one demon writing to another. And even if you don't believe in that stuff, I think the quote here can still play a part in, in how we bring it and how we fight kind of just like healing from this and, and how we, we pursue that. But it, it says, it is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds and reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And I think that really means is like for so long, I would try and like this the negative thoughts would flood my mind, especially in depression and, and dealing with this. And I would constantly just have to fight against those. And I thought that was the, the battle. I thought that was what the enemy was trying to do. I thought that was what I had to just fight against. And once I, I had beaten that, I would have been free from it. But the truth is, is that the, the goal of that isn't to fill our minds with that, the, the evil stuff. The goal of it is to keep out the good stuff. And once we realize like that's the goal, that's the aim for it, we have to fill our minds with truth. Because at the end of the day, all these lies is usually what we're fighting against is exactly that, is that they're lies. And so the more that we realize is that the lies that are filling our mind aren't trying to escape our, or they're not trying to fill our mind. It's really just the absence of truth that we're focusing on. And so, you know, that's, that's why I think for me, finding God was the answer because God is truth. And once I could fill my mind with his word and what he said about me, there wasn't room for all that other stuff. There wasn't room for problems. There wasn't room for what the enemy was trying to throw in there because, you know, once we empty our mind of our problems, we can, we can fill it with God's promises, but we don't have to empty our minds. We just fill it with God's promises. Cause once you do that, once you fill it with truth, there is no more room for anything else in there. And so I think so long I was trying to empty my mind of problems, but instead of filling it with just the stuff that's good. And I really, I think that's what the, big difference was in my fight against kind of just like through healing and through that as, is allowing God to just fill my mind with what he thought about me and his love for me. And in that there was no, it gradually just got better and better because the more room or the less room there was for, you know, the lies, the less I was inclined to believe them and the less I was inclined to think about them, the less I was inclined to, to let them have any impact on me. And that's still happening today. You know, that's still where, I'm walking through and each day the, the Lord continues to, to fill me more with truth and fill me more with his promises and what he says. And that just leaves less and less room each day for what the enemy is trying to do. And um, I think that's kind of where I am now with this, to be honest, is that like, while I look back and, you know, that's four and a half years ago now, and the Lord has done a lot in my life to heal me from it. Um, each day there's, there comes new situations that poke new aspects of me that I didn't realize were affected by the, the assault or affected by anything else in my past that might've happened. And each day, you know, we can choose to look at that as a bad thing. We can choose to look at that. as like, wow, I'm still not there yet. Are you kidding me? Like, I thought I dealt with this. Like, how is this still showing up? How is this still a part of me? Like I thought I was better than this. I thought I had dealt with this, or we can choose to look at it. it's an opportunity for, for healing and for growth and for bringing it to the Lord joyfully and say like, look, you know, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm broken. I'm so I'm just a person. Um, we are given the choice to, to choose perspective about a situation. Um, the truth of a situation isn't going to change. If it's bad, it's still bad. If it's evil, it's still evil. But we are given the choice of each day when we, we can continue to grow and to heal and to, you know, some days are going to be worse than others. Some days are just not going to be good. And that's my experience with it. Is there's some days I woke up and I just knew it was going to be a bad day. You know, like I still could trust the Lord to bring healing. I still trust the Lord in that. But like life is still life. But in the day, it's like, each day I can ask the Lord to, to come into my situation and to heal me and to bring his promises over me. And the more I read that, the more I believe it. Um, I think it's easy to read something and you know, yeah, I believe that, you know, like God says that he loves me. It's like, sure, whatever. Like that makes sense. Like, 
but I actually believe it in my heart. But the more I read it, the more I realize like if the Bible had been untrue at all, someone would have disproven it by now. If God had been unproved, you know, if God, God would have been unproven by now, but he hasn't like he's cause he's real. He, he does care. He does love. And I think it's, it was hard for me to realize and accept that because I didn't have a great perhaps depiction of what love was. And even now I perhaps can still struggle with that. But what I do realize is that God will not stop trying to show me what his love is for me and that I don't have to worry about figuring it out or putting all the pieces together because in the day it's like, he will do that for me and he has promised to do that. And I will get to continue to know and learn about his love for me for forever. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Even in struggles, even in the hardships of, of assault, it's like that, that, that event did cause me to find him. It doesn't mean that it should have happened, but it does allow me to look back and see that like, Oh, he was still with me, even in that hardship, even through that, like he didn't leave me in that, but praise God that he can turn all things for good. And he used an evilness and a darkness and a hardship like that to show himself and reveal himself to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I don't, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like it's refreshing to hear that perspective and just like, I can hear your heart for God and just how much you love God. And I think it's really cool to hear this from like a guy's perspective. Um, because like on my end, like, I feel like I don't necessarily see as many guys who are like passionate about the Lord, to be honest, even though like I go to church and I'm like, really, you know, I was, I've been involved in ministry and missions. Like I, I think that they're far and few between, like, at least in my experience, I don't know why. And so I think it's just really been cool to hear like your heart for the Lord and just like hear your story and just like how like much glory that you give to God. Because I think when people share these stories, it can be really easy to like make the story about ourselves, even because it's what happened to us. Right. But mm-hmm. also that, like shifting that perspective of like, this happened to me, but like God, like I'm giving God the glory because look what he did. And so I think that's really amazing. And like a different perspective for this podcast that we just, I mean, we haven't, we haven't had, I haven't mm-hmm. had. Amen. Yeah. I mean, like historic, like right now, just in our country, like guys they're guys who are strong in the faith are far and few between compared to the the women who are um and it's a huge problem even at my church where i go like that's just an issue that we've all seen um is that like where are the guys like where are them like praise god for the women praise god we pray that they continue to grow and and, and come to the lord and, and be on fire for the lord but like also like the problem is like where are all the guys at you know like there needs to be both and that's how god intended this world to be right and so um I can sympathize with that. And I've, I praise God for the communities. I mean, honestly, like even the guys he's given me to deal with the situation, he put a couple of guys in my life that helped that I felt for the first time comfortable enough to be able to like talk to them about this and to deal with them. And they were Christian guys. And I do believe that played a part because I knew I could trust them and that they weren't going to judge me. And then they weren't going to try and crucify me for what had happened, but instead they were going to just listen and give wisdom where they felt called to that wasn't their own. And just honestly, just be a good ear. And I think that's, the big difference. And I think that's one thing that we need more of is more guys to step up and do that and to be a voice and to, to realize like, Hey, like you don't always have to give your opinion. You don't always have to do it. Like some people just need to ear. Some people need to just have someone to know that they're not going to judge them and just to trust that they're, they're here for their, like they have their best intentions in mind, you know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate you saying all that. And I definitely would agree with you that there are the, the guys are few and far between. And that's just a big prayer uh, of mine and of a lot of our community of just like people that will raise up and just, be on fire for the Lord and to realize like he is worth it. And 
you know, if you don't give him a chance, like how could you ever see that he was worth it? Yeah. But to give him an actual fair chance and trust that like, perhaps it, it may be just maybe like, you know, God is real and God does care and God does love us. Cause you know, he does. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, so I'd love to know like where you're at right now in your life and just kind of like your visions and goals, what you feel called to do. Are you like some people be like, I'm married or I don't think you're married. Right. Or you're in a relationship mm-hmm. or I'm, you know, going to, to do this. I feel called to, you know, do missions or I feel called to own a big old store. I don't know, whatever, you, whatever you feel called. To. <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i uh currently now i'm 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 graduated from college um i work part-time with a marketing company i work part-time at a church uh, where i live and um you know i in terms of plans i think a lot of times like i love hearing people's dreams all they want to do in the future like where they want to be five years from now and you know honestly i don't i don't have an expectation for myself i do believe the lord has called me to be a part of uh, missions and to help send people, um, and to be a mobilizer and to tell people that there are, you know, 3 billion people north of 3 billion people in the world who don't have access to the gospel and don't realize that Jesus came to die for them. And he is the way back into right relationship with God through, through his blood. And so, um, you know, and they will never hear about it. And that's just the problem. I think the biggest heartbreak that I've ever experienced and, and had to realize in my life. And so playing a part in that is definitely where I feel my life we'll always be headed and whatever direction that might be and whatever job that might be. But, you know, currently, currently single, um, I, I've seen the Lord, you know, honestly, relationships have not been a big part of my life, even, um, really entirely in, in my life. And so, especially recently, I just, I, I think I've realized more and more as the Lord is healing me through this and walking me through even different parts of it now, um, that, you know, he will use people to reveal stuff in you. Um, and I think some things will only ever be revealed by other people. Um, I think there's like certain parts, aspects of God's love for us that will only be revealed in in marriage, um, that, you know, you could pray for, but like, he will, he will show himself through that other person. I think that that same kind of way, like a lot of times healing, like you'll only realize that there's a part of you that needs to be healed and God's going to use other people to do that. And he's been doing that a lot lately of just realizing that, um, yeah, perhaps I'm not quite as fully, uh, fully healed from this than I thought I was. And that's not a that's not something I, I wear with shame or with, with any kind of anything, but joy just realizing like that just means more opportunity to be healed and to be made more like, like a son and to be made honestly, just more whole. And so um, that's the perspective I kind of just choose to take and to, to be joyful in that and realize like, yeah, it means I get to continue to grow. And, you know, if you're not growing, you're, you're either stagnant or you're, you're going backwards. And both of those are, are, are honestly just in a way kind of just death. Honestly, like complacency is not a place that we want to be. in. so, um, our, our heart should always be to continue to grow and to, to, to see healing and to see improvement and um, to be patient with ourselves in that. And so, yeah, that's kind of where, where I'm at now and just trusting the Lord of each season. Um, not sure where I'll be a week from now, not sure where I'll be a month from now, but I know that um, who I'll be with um, and that's with the Lord and walking me through this. And so I'm, I'm excited each day is a gift. We're not promised tomorrow. And so um, every day that I wake up, I get to be grateful for, for this day and for this time and, for getting to meet people, hear stories and, you know, get to hear conversations and um, yeah, just to live a life that's blessed because, you know, each day is, it is a blessing. And so. So good. If there are guys who are listening to this, what would you say to them? Um, if they haven't maybe fully processed it or told anybody, what would you say to them? Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, honestly, I would, I would very bluntly say to them, like one, like you're not alone. Um, it's going to be tempting to believe that it's going to be tempting to, um, yeah, I mean, I really, it's going to be tempting to believe that and just to sit there with it and to, you know, to try and process internally and to not talk. And it's like, I, my, my, my advice, my tips or whatever you, you want to call it is simply just to trust someone that you, you know, and you may not, it may look around and be like, I don't have people. I don't have anyone around me. Um, it's like, that's why I found the Lord. And that's my encouragement to you is to try, try trusting that God can handle all of it. God can bear it. But really it's like, find a close friend, find a guy, find somebody that you can talk to and just to not, to not worry, even if they don't fully understand, even if they struggle to, to be patient with them as well. Cause that's a lot for someone else to carry, but the trust that like speaking about it is so much better than, than carrying it inside of you and letting it fester and letting it eat you alive from the inside out because it will. Um, and also to realize that like, it's, it's not a, it's not an okay thing that happened. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes as guys, it can definitely try to justify or even pretend it didn't happen for the sake of ourselves. But one is to come to acknowledgement with what happened and to realize it. I think we can only go forward once we realize where we are. And that means sometimes realizing the situation that happened even if it's difficult. And so in order to go forward into half healing, I think take a, just a fair evaluation of what happened, but not to sit on it and not to, to, to let it eat us alive or to make it any worse than it was, but simply just to realize that, okay, this is where I'm going to go from, from here. And so I can start walking forward. I can start processing it with people. If there are any people, I think seeing a, uh, a counselor is a great idea. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I think more and more we're seeing, which is a good thing in our country, it'd be okay. And be realized that it, it's an all right thing. Um, to talk about ourselves and to realize we don't have to um, hide away from anything. We don't have to try and um, do this ourselves is that we need people. We're meant for community. We were created for relationships with one another. And I think the more we become isolated is the, the further we come from what um, we're intended to be. And so I think that's my biggest advice. All that to say simply is that do not choose isolation. Um, it's going to be tempting. It's going to be probably the easiest thing um, is to be isolated or at least feel like the easiest thing. Cause we'll be able to sit with our, you know, get to sit with yourself and sit in that, but it's not the healthiest thing mm-hmm. by far. And so choosing and whatever that looks like community and choosing whatever that looks like is for pursuing someone else to walk with you through it. Because even though the world may seem like there is no one that will walk with you through it, um, I guarantee you there are people, even if they're in found in unlikely places, even if they're found in places that you wouldn't normally look, um, they're out there. And so um, that's probably my advice. Even if I know it's such a broad, broad umbrella to cover and, uh, and i'm sure there's you know people who have gone through it that have tried to find people and there, and there was no one or um have tried to choose community and felt like it only got worse but i i, I do believe that the healing is found on the other half of uh, of being open with it um and, and realizing and struggling with it in a way that's it's healthy in a way of like fighting against the lies that we're attempted to believe of isolation and and hiding behind closed doors and so that's what I did at least. And so I realized that uh, in order for me to find healing, I needed to get away from isolation. I needed to get out and to find people and to, to honestly, to give it to the Lord. Um, but, but yeah, that's a, it's hard. It's a hard thing, but. Yeah. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for, um, for coming on here. I think I've learned so much from you just in this, like conversation. And I think, um, yeah, I don't really know where to go from here. Just in the sense that like, 
I know that what was her name is a podcast. Um, and obviously it has very clearly her, um, and I think that I've been kind of just praying and going in this sort of direction of like, okay, I don't want to limit others from being able to share their story because they're not a female. And so I think like, yeah, I just am with this podcast. Like I literally started off like a little newbie. Like I had no idea what I was doing and like, just was like, all right, God, like you want this, I'll do it, but I have no idea what I'm doing and maybe nobody's going to listen. And so, um, I think like I'm growing as this podcast is growing and this is an area that I'm growing in. And so those who are listening, um, I hope that you are hearing this and growing with me and being able to, you know, ask questions or try to better understand or be more, um, cautious or, you know, patient or gentle or whatever it may be, because I think, you know, women who go through sexual assault, um, can have the same reaction where they, they have like a, a, um, disgust is the wrong word, but they just don't like men. They just look at men and they just have this belief that they're all bad. And then, you know, a man who goes through sexual assault with a female can think, I don't want anything to do with females. And so I think we have to find a middle ground here where it's like assault happens to both females and males. And like, how can we be supportive of each other and, and recognize and be aware that just as we want awareness, um, to be able to say, I want people to hear my story, like everybody's story should be heard. And this is a platform and a place where I want anybody and everybody to be able to share. It doesn't matter what you believe. doesn't matter if you're a female or a male. Um, that's what the point of this podcast is, is for you to share your story. And so, uh, Brendan, I'm really grateful that you were willing to come on here and just tell your story. Um, it's obviously not comfortable and it's, um, you know, trauma. Um, and so it's hard, Mm -hmm. but you're paving the way for others to share. I already know that. And I'm just grateful. Yeah. That you were just so open and willing to just come on here and, and talk to us. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for creating an atmosphere of, for people to be able to do that in a place that's, that's comfortable or not perhaps comfortable, but even slightly easier for them to be able to do that. And for, um, paving the way for others to, to be able to just talk about it and for creating an environment where, um, people don't feel alone. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, right. Is what I just talked about with isolation, but like allowing and creating an atmosphere in a community where people don't feel that. And they feel like they have people that can understand them. They feel like they have people that can, can hear them. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for even a podcast um, like this that allows that is, is a huge blessing. And so, um, yeah, he, uh, I appreciate you having me on here and you can get to share my story and see the Lord's done through it and just how much he's, how far he's brought me from that into healing. And so that's just a huge praise to be able to, to show that because it's, it's his story, you know, even if it through the difficulties, but um, yeah, I, I really appreciate the, the opportunity um, to be here. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, guys. Well, um, tune in next week. We're airing the end of our um, season for sexual assault and only have a couple more stories left. Um, thanks for listening.